Hello and welcome to the Tightwad Teacher Podcast, brought to you by Element Opie Productions. ElementOpie.com. And now, here are your hosts, Christy Vincent and Brian Brueger. Welcome to the Tightwad Teacher, episode 40, PD and 3 for April 10th, 2012. I am your host, Christy Vincent. Tonight, we are joined by the multi talented Brian Brueger and the now safely encased Mark Cockrell. Tonight, we're talking management of the classroom store. Okay, so it's not in the show notes because, well, I mean, but I thought, what a total irony that our 40th show, which was originally um, a nice funeral service that I was forced to change, that, that whole number of 40, people so often associate that with death, the end, it's all over, you know, the whole thing. Guess who we know that turned 40 this week? Um, not me. And not me. I'm 21 and will be for the rest of my life. So that leaves. Do, 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 do. He swears it's no different than 39, but I think he looks more gray tonight already. You know, I used to tell my children, or I still do, I have gray hairs in my beard. And I will tell them I didn't have any of these until I had children. So you draw the conclusions there. Children equal gray hairs. <laughs> or you've just gotten older since they were born. Well, yeah, they're, they're young. They haven't figured that out yet. Yes, I am, in fact, 40 years old. Um, black balloons and, and morning dances are appropriate, apparently. And is that why it appears that you're in a casket with like casket-like <laughs> material around you? Casket, padded room. Yeah, I'm good with that. Well, it wasn't my intention to mention this on every show I do this week, but I will. Uh, I'm, I'm in the new studio. I talked about that, I think, a little bit last week. Uh, and uh, the last sort of step in the process of finishing the studio was to put some soundproofing up. So I went out and found the, uh, the uh, most high-end, uh, NASA-approved, super-dense memory foam uh, ultra soundproofing available and put that up. Uh, Either that or I went to Walmart and bought the cheapest bed pad fillers that they had and put those up. I'll let you decide which. I like that it, you use memory foam because that'll help you. Yes. <laughs> I forget why I chose that. It's all right, Frank. He's good. He's good tonight. Don't, don't mess with him too much. That's right. Thank you, Sally. No problem at all, Frank. So today when... When these storms are moving in and I had to pull up where exactly in the great state of Texas Mark is located, I'm looking at this map and I'm like, oh, dear, Mark, you really are in the way of the storm. He's like, thank you for catching up. Yes, I am. (laughs) And then I thought, oh, well, I wonder if you're going to be in the handy dandy pod pod because I'm thinking that's the best place in your house. Y'all can get thrown around all in there and he'll just bounce off the walls. It may actually be the safest room in my house now. You know, I envision the exterior of this pod pod looking, I don't know, kind of like the, those forts that you do, you know, with the, with the chairs set up, you know, for your children and, you know, dad's clamps and things like that, holding fabric together or wood just barely hanging on by the last little thread of that was tape. That was pod pod 1.0. Pod pod 2.0 is <laughs> significantly more substantial. I, I guess I haven't mentioned it on this show. The, the wall panels, panels are six and a half inches thick, uh, dual layer uh, wood 
with uh, a soundproofing insulation in between them, and they're held together with uh, four-inch eye bolts uh, with lag bolts in between. So uh, it's not going. Each panel weighs 185 pounds a piece. Wow. I'm thinking that's a fabulous design for a good classroom. We can have all the fun we want inside. Yeah, and I yes. actually have less space than prisoners get. Prisoners get eight <laughs> by ten. This is uh, ten by seven. So I actually have less room than I would if I committed a violent crime. But you don't move, so it's fine. Right. And see, it's actually for hours too, on end. <laughs> it's, it's actually too short for me. The because of the it's in my garage, and in order to get the garage door to go up, I had to drop it. <laughs> Uh, below that bar there and then with the six inch ceiling panel it comes actually down six inches below that so i'm six foot five and my pod pod is six foot six so uh if i'm not if i walk in with her wearing a hat i bump my head no yeah. hats for you and the door since the obviously the door jam has to be below the ceiling is uh, right around six feet so i have to duck in to get but i'm used <laughs> to that from from showers and and pretty much anything in life i'm accustomed yeah. to that uh, as soon as you get over six foot, that pretty much happens. Right. Yeah. This is a Christy, very sad conversation what's that like? for me. <laughs> I have to leave now. I must go talk to my therapist. <laughs> on the you know, plus side, you don't bump your head on things a lot. No, I don't. But I also can't reach things like cabinets. <laughs> like my Under husband has one of those dodge trucks that people say are normal size okay they're not normal size if it has 20 inch tires on it and it hasn't been lowered that's not normal and i can't get in i like have a little step stool that i can use to get in his truck i have one of those for my 75 year old grandmother so that she can get into my truck thanks mark you're not helping I was no, thinking, Mark, it's it's unfair that you say that she doesn't get to, the opportunity to bump her head on things because there are many school desks, I bet, in her school that she bumps her head on. I, I can actually <laughs> sit under some of them. And I fit in the chairs in the pre-K room. So there, take that. I want to see y'all fit in the chairs in the pre-K room. You, you okay? know what's funny is, you know, I work in elementary, obviously, or work in schools. And the lower down the, the grades you go, the lower the stuff hanging, hanging from the ceiling is. So, you know, I start Absolutely. out in like the sixth grade area and I'm cool. I can walk there. And like when I'm walking out the fourth grade, I have to stoop a little third grade a little more. By the time I get to pre-K, I'm on my knees crawling around through the little hobbit house. Yep. Yeah, I was very excited today. The way my schedule works, there's there's time in my day significantly when I'm not in the classroom. And we um, we have a lot of our people gone to this training, so they were in desperate need of a substitute for the fourth grade for the rest of the day. And I was so excited. Oh, I love elementary. My boss won't let me go to elementary because he's afraid I'll never come out. But I got to sub <laughs> in elementary. And when some of the kids, they were fabulous. They told me how wonderful my shoes were. And they said... You know, what's different than when you're in the sixth grade classroom? And I went, well, I'm bigger than all of you. That's what's so <laughs> fabulous. I get to be bigger than you. Yeah, so if you go down to elementary, you got to take your driver's license to make sure they'll let you out. Yes. <laughs> you're so fabulous. You're so fabulous. But I was wearing my ruby red slippers today. So while my part of Texas, for all you people who are not from Texas, it's a large state. We consume like 60 of yours. For those not from Texas, it was it was very rough weather here. We were supposed to get bad weather in my area, and we didn't. It luckily all went up to Mark. Good luck with that, Mark. Yeah, thanks. And somebody tweeted out, not the day to have not worn my ruby red slippers. And I looked down on my feet. I'm wearing this black and white dress. And lo and behold, what do I have on my feet? 
but my lovely red high heels. And when the students caught on and I, you know, kind of gave them a news brief of what was happening, they all decided that we were perfectly safe because if anything happened, I could get us home to Annie M. Nice. I was a prepared teacher today. I was very excited. Now, now who's bored, Brian? Take that. <laughs> Speechless. Actually, just while we're talking about the weather, there were some pictures from the uh, one of the news stations, uh, the television stations in, in Dallas, that uh, showed a uh, tornado hitting uh, a manufacturing facility or some. I don't know, but there were a lot of semi-trucks. And this picture showed a, a semi-tractor trailer roughly 100 feet in the air. Um, yeah. That's a lot of wind. Wow. I don't care who you are. That's a lot of wind. <laughs> So just one other thing before we actually get onto the the meat of the matter. Uh, While Christy and I were talking about um, this uh, uh, new direction that the show is going to be going in, and we'll be announcing that a little later on, I I started about getting to work on on some artwork for some new logos. And I thought, I need to create a logo that represents education. And then I thought, what represents education? 21st century education. What does that look like? So the classic, you know, if you type in education clip art into Google, you're going to get mortar and pestle. You're going to get chalkboard. You're going to get books. Apples. Hold on. Hold on. Hold apples. on. Yeah. You just said the ultimate curse word what? in <gasps> the world of education. Dun, 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 dun. He didn't say Pearson. No, he said clip art. Clip art. Yeah. No, but that hey, was like, it's art. an exercise. It's a thought exercise. <laughs> if you type in education clip art, what you're going to find is thousands and thousands of images of uh, chalkboards and of erasers and of books and, and of, you know, mortar and pestle uh, uh, hats, uh, mortarboard hats, mortar and pestle, that's a kitchen thing, mortarboard hats. <laughs> um, and so, but those are all relics of the past. Uh, or you're going to see some teacher with like a, a pointer standing in front of a chalkboard. That's actually the logo that we're using right now. Um, but what does modern 21st century teaching look like? What, what iconic image can I put on our logo that people immediately look at it and see that represents education? Tricky dun, question. Dun, dun. So that's the uh, exercise for the listener. Uh, find out, you know, to let me know what, what, what should be those iconic images. Say I want to take four images and I want to uh, incorporate them in some way. What four images represent modern education in the 21st century or future education. I, I the night know. star already popped, piped up from the chat room and says iPad and cloud. And I would agree with you on the cloud, but I'm not going to go with the iPad bit just because it's, it's specific, it's device specific. And I'm not so sure about that, but I like the whole cloud thing because that's where our students live. I would say a, a laptop or a tablet device. I wouldn't make it so specific, you know, image-wise. But right. I yeah, think but if you put a tablet in there, most people, if it comes, you know, if it looks black on the bezel and it's right. thin, most people are probably going to use the term iPad to describe. <laughs> but, but see, the, the idea here is we're going back to, you know, elementary marketing. <laughs> and we want icons. We want uh, a symbol that represents an idea. I put a laptop out there. Most people are going to think business and not education. If I put, you know, an Ethernet cable out there, most people are going to think communications. They're not going to think education. 
the chalkboard immediately evokes education, but that's the education of a hundred years past. What is the well, education of the present? Who who are you trying to appeal to? Because if you're trying to appeal to our age group, you would appeal to images that represented our education, which would be a chalkboard. Well, the idea is is 21st century education. That's what the show is supposed to be about, right? Uh, you know, uh, bowing at the altar of Daniel Pink and moving from the uh, the old paradigm into the new. So what is the new paradigm? What are the icons of the new paradigm? So that, just a thought experiment because I, I came up dry. I don't, I don't really have anything. And uh, hopefully our listeners will let me know. I put the put it out to my PowerPoint. social network. And the only response I got was teacher uh, students enjoying learning. All right. What does that mean? What what is an what image? What does that look like? Yeah. What is an image of students enjoying learning? You know, my mind's going blank, so I hope someone pipes up and I'm I'm so Peter Reynolds, that's it. Last not that's last totally year, what I was thinking. Clearly, I was gonna say Peter Reynolds. You don't even know who Peter Reynolds is. I was gonna say Burt Reynolds. I'm hanging <laughs> up right now. Okay. So not not twenty twelve, but twenty eleven, um, he was he was expecting his newest child, I think it's his second. But anyway, and he came in virtually to a, a thing for TCEA and had that very question. He said, but it was more about the student. What does the 21st century student look like? And I, I need to find some of those posters and show you. And we all collaborated together to discuss that and, and build that student together. And for a while, it was the same thing we're running into now. What are those, what are those images? What, what is that? Oh, well, obviously you're talking about education when you see it type thing. I need to find it and share it with you. But I think it is a problem because what we do see are things that maybe people associate not with education. Does that make it any less so? I don't, I don't think so. It's just a mind of shifting everyone else from what we've always known. Yeah, it's just that the, the, the trick here is not things that represent, but the icon, the immediate recognition of something. And it's hard to come up with that, maybe because we're still forming it, maybe because we're not there yet. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that those things are truly defined because what the three of us might say is probably largely going to be based on what we would like to see, less on what we actually do see. I don't know about your schools, but when I'm looking at my schools and look at my classrooms and I say, oh, I'm seeing progress, that's because I'm choosing to recognize the progress, not because I feel like you know our school or our teachers have arrived even our most advanced teachers, I don't know that they're doing things, you know, full on the way that exactly like it should be. There's still kind of a uh, a hodgepodge of the old and the new as they're coming together and working things out. Um, so I don't know that that it's even there, like that we've you know can identify a classroom and say, now this classroom here is a perfect example, you know, of what the new is. Okay, so after having taken up 10 minutes of showtime, I will step aside and, and let Christy do her thing. No, well, I mean, actually, <laughs> it transitions very well into to our whole topic tonight of, of PD and 3, and it rhymes, and that's fabulous. I was in the elementary way too long today. But I, I had these thoughts about 
professional development. Here was my challenge. How do you give audio only professional development that is not technology centered, which is the center of my world. <clears throat> and when you look at conferences and, and professional development opportunities for teachers, it seems they're either totally technology centered. How do we use this whatever in the classroom or they're specific to how do you do this in the classroom? And sometimes they're disguised of this is going to be classroom management. And really it's a tool to, it's a technology tool to somehow manage or a technology tool that needs to be managed. So it was, it was a very difficult challenge to step back and say, totally out of my comfort zone, what can I give our listeners that doesn't require that? And what I ran across was just what we were just discussing. What are those things that are today's classroom? And this week, I went, I love, I don't know if I've told you this, I love coupons. Oh my goodness, I just, it makes me happy to find a good deal. And this past weekend, I was at CVS and they had a number of things on clearance, school supplies being one of them. So I picked up a bunch of um, binders that were on sale for like 30 cents and pens and pencils. And I, I brought some home to my daughter and I said, sweetie, look, here's some pens for you. And she says, oh, that's great. I can't use those. I'm sorry, honey. Do we need a like developmental lesson on how we use a pen? She said, no, I, I can't use those in class. Okay, and again, why can't you use this pen in class? I'm, I'm not sending you with like an inkwell and a quill. It's a pen, sweetheart. Yeah, but we're not allowed to use pens because if we make a mistake, we can't erase it. Okay, well, guess what? These pens, they're erasable. They're magical pens. Here, honey, and they were. They were the erasable pens. I still don't think my teacher will let me use those. And we had this very long discussion about why it really matters what she writes with, which drove me insane. So then today, I'm in the, the classroom where I'm subbing, and of course she left sub plans, and we've all done it. If you say you haven't done it, we're gonna talk, and I'm gonna call you a liar. You leave busy work for your sub. Every single time, you're leaving a stack of busy work because you don't know who the sub's gonna be, you don't know what the sub's gonna do to your kids, and your kids are gonna be hanging from the ceiling anyway because you're not there to control them. So there was this stack of busy work to do. And I read through it and went, fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. Oh, we're rewriting the lesson plans. So one of them was a, a worksheet that they had to do. And it was a, a review of some math lesson. So they all took it out. I said, okay, you've got five minutes. And then I said, you've got four minutes. They're like, oh, you really mean we have five minutes? Yeah, actually, that's exactly what I meant. That's why I told like, you. No, I, you, I meant you have four minutes now. <laughs> you had five minutes. <laughs> so then they, they get busy. The room kind of kind of gets quiet, like, oh, she's serious. So after you're done, I go to the front, and I have, you know, the, the great expo markers up there. And I said, okay, so here are the first three problems, and, and we're filling those in. And it's, you know, busy work, worksheet type stuff, pretty simple. And I randomly call on three kids after I totally made them all go sit in a desk they didn't normally sit in, which totally blew their minds, just to get them out of their comfort zone. And I randomly call three kids. I said, oops, solve the problems. And it was simple. And one kid said, no, no, miss, 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 miss. Number two's wrong. Number two's wrong. Okay, we'll get, we'll get back to number two. And then I had different kids come up to the board and show me how they had solved it to get their classmates' answer. So the two that were right or that had the correct answer that they thought was needed was simple. But the child who had to solve it for the wrong answer was going, but the answer's wrong. 
okay, well, still, how did you solve it? Well, I didn't, I didn't give that answer. I didn't, I didn't solve it that way. Okay, and again, figure out how your classmate solved it. So now we've, we've kind of put an extra problem on it, and, and we continued that, and then we did other little problems where there was a multitude of possible answers, and once they gave me the right answer, I had them give me three more. And that totally blew their minds. What do you mean three more? There's only one right answer. Okay, no, let's stop the class right now. There's never just one right answer. So we had that conversation. And, Being and a we'll math nerd, I, I beg to differ with you. There are often only one right answer. No, there's not always just one right answer. Two and plus two is always four on, on any planet in any dimension. Okay, I'll give you two plus two is always four. But, but if you say that there's 63 kids going on the bus and only nine know that 65 kids needing to go on the bus and only nine fit per car. So 65 kids and you get there, only nine fit in the car. Estimate how many you need. Half the kids rounded 65 up to 70 and decided that they needed 10 kids fit in the car. They needed seven vans. And then somebody else solved it and they said, well, nine times seven or whatever, and you only need nine. So theirs was actually closer, just depending on how they estimated. You just and have to cut a couple of people in half and leave them at home. There you go. So we had this I, fabulous discussion. I but, think that we've all been through college in the the statement of saying that there only so many people can fit in a car is really <laughs> just not true. Have you seen the standardized test? Don't get me started. <laughs> have you? Have you seen these cars that we went yeah. to college with? <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I was a youth even... minister for a while. I have learned that kids are stackable. Yes. You can put nine people in an old model Volkswagen Beetle. Did you know that? Nine people fit. I can tell only you Only nine? That. Yeah, That's only nine. Good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back to my lesson, boys. Both of you are going to be sitting in the hall momentarily. So, John, John would be proud of me. I was sitting in the hall earlier. I need the controls to mute you. So what, what we ended up figuring out was, you know, some different math things. But at the end, when they sat back down, they were like, oh, miss, that was so much fun. What was fun? Because that was a boring worksheet. They're like, no, we never get to go to the board. You never get to go to the board and what? Like, we never get to come up and do that. We always do everything on the projector. And I've never met the teacher, and I'm sure she's she's a fabulous woman. And I'm I'm new and different. New and different is always intriguing. But the idea of just stepping three giant steps back, because when I was in my classroom, I had the same thing to do. I'd done it the year before. I knew what I had to do. Moving on. But when you take three steps back and you go into someone else's class and you're running somebody else's lesson plan, and you're just trying to figure out how to add your own part to it, that, that was powerful, and it was powerful for me, and I think the kids enjoyed it, that they had a piece of it that day. They were one of the performers. You know, we've heard for years that education is, what, 25% knowledge and 75% theater, and the kids got to be actors today. And for them, that changes things. And I think that as teachers, we sometimes just need to go, deep breath, what can we do that's not the same old, same old that we do day in and day out? Because we've just got to get through this because we need to be able to expect it. What do you want to bet that when you, 
said teacher comes back to her classroom tomorrow and looks at her lesson plans, and she's going to be really, really ticked. Why did my sub not do what I asked them to do? I did I everything. Specific, specific lesson plans, and why did they? And, you know, it's, it's a how do you break out of that mold to, to allow for the craziness? And for me, what I've noticed, because, you know, now that I'm out of the classroom, I'm in many classrooms. And I almost think that my perspective has changed because before you knew what happened in your world inside your four walls. But how many teachers, once they become teachers, actually go observe other teachers? Just doesn't happen. Okay, well, new book study. I'm interrupting you. Okay, so last week I was promoting <laughs> Daniel Pink and Drive. This week, <laughs> we really need to pick up instructional rounds. And I can't remember the author to save my life right now. But that's just the practice they're talking about. We get in this um, this place where we don't see anything different. We don't know anything different. We have our 190, 180 days to serve. Get us through. And we need to yep. go and experience other classrooms. Instructional rounds. You should all read it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so now that I'm out of the classroom and I'm not actually, you know, I, I see lots, lots of classrooms and different rooms. And, and essentially the rule of thumb is now – that I've gained the trust of the teachers and things like that is if I enter your room, I don't exist. And if I need you, I will make some, you know, gesture or some way to make it clear to you that I need to, to talk to you or need a moment or whatever. And then I just wait until they're completed saying what they have to say or doing what they have to do. And, and then it works. But in doing so, I see a lot of different classrooms and to me, the common denominator is a teacher who has control in the classroom is typically far more willing to give up control because they know they can always get it back. And the teacher who doesn't have control wants to be extremely rigid because anything they give away will never be reacquired. And control over the room is is one of those things i cannot agree with you more really i can't same thing there's um teachers that you go in their room and it's total chaos not like excited active learning no no, no. total chaos and yet they're the same teachers who will tell you they have everything under control and it's all in their control and when they've had enough they inevitably totally lose it in front of their class and it's, it's, I said, and sit down and then you go into to other classrooms where it. Can you say that again? What? <laughs> part. <laughs> yep, that was it. That's all I wanted. <laughs> Fabulous. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that, Brian. <laughs> but you, you go into the, the other places where there's so much more learning. The kids are relaxed. You can see them engaged. And maybe it's total silence in that room that that time that you happen to be in there, and they might even be individually working at their desk. But you say, "Hey, Mister, Miss, whoever, you know, I was thinking about this," and they're going to be the teacher that tries it because they have classroom management. It all comes back to complete and total classroom management. And, and I mean, we're going to throw the technology piece in here when a teacher tells me we can't use that technology because it's a distraction in my classroom. Okay, we need to talk about your classroom management because that, that's the issue. 
And it, it was kind of like this thing. And, and again, the kids could be, you know, blowing smoke up my butt. I know that. But that whole idea that they got to be a part of it, that was good for them. And I knew that I was skilled enough. And there was, and we're talking a small class here. We're not talking 35 kids. There were literally 13 children in this classroom, regular sized classroom, apparently for this particular campus. I knew that I could, I can deal with these 13, what, 10 year olds, 11 year olds. Come on. I can do this. I've done this. I have one of these at home. I, I coach teams this big, this I could do. And I was comfortable there. And I think that's the other piece that we sometimes forget when we've been in the profession a while. A lot of it does come with experience. We're not as good our first year as we are our fifth. And, mm -hmm. and I knew I was comfortable in that realm. And sometimes we don't give that extra break, that extra understanding to pre-service and first year teachers and, you know, even up to three, four, five or anyone who has more experience than you. It's, you forget that when you go in front of a class sometimes and you're like, <gasps> okay. Or something happens that you didn't plan for. A child has some type of outburst that you don't know exactly how the situation is going to turn out. And, and there's that, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? When you've been in it 5, 6, 10, 12, 30 years, it's like, I've seen this. I know exactly what's going to happen. And you just have more confidence with your classroom. How much of, of your success in that classroom or the success of... Um, you know, somebody, cause I've actually had a similar experience actually when my wife was teaching. Um, I went into her school one morning with her and I happened to be working technology for the charter school company that, um, was in charge of the school she was teaching at. So I had dropped her off for work and she said, Hey, I need to run down here. Can you hang out in my classroom? Cause there's a few kids coming in. Well, then she didn't get back in time before the starting bell started. So I just started her class for her. And so in that situation, how much of your relaxation or your feeling of, of, um, or your results of success in that classroom are related to the lack of pressure that you're feeling, meaning a student or a teacher who's in the classroom, you know, make it 10 years, 15 years, whatever the, the time period is, how much of their day is shaped by the pressure or expectations that are of and be, above and beyond that time period? You know, whether it be the 45 minutes of class or, you know, if it's block scheduling the hour and a half or, you know, whatever it may be, how much of their pressure or how much pressure are they feeling above and beyond that 45 minutes that then takes away their ability to be successful in those 45 minutes to actually like what kind of pressure brian you know um thinking about you know the test scores and how we have to perform here and um what their other duties are in the course of the day all of these other things that they have to plan and organize and and do how much of that is actually affecting the quality of what they're able to present and and, you know, their presence in the classroom during a regular class period. Because you walked in there, you did what you had to do, and you knew that as soon as you walked out at the end of the day, that it was all done. There right. was no extra. There was nothing that you had to worry about in terms of, you know, I've got grades coming up, and I've got exams coming up, or I have, you know, whatever it is. Um, you didn't have any of that. 
And so does that allow you to be a little bit more free? Is that shape or not shape, you know, your ability in the classroom? I don't know. And I say, I don't know for a number of reasons, but I mean, to me, I have huge issues with separating things out. My husband will tell you that if there were 30 hours in the day, I would still say there wasn't enough and I still wouldn't get enough sleep. So for me, whatever I'm doing, I have to be focused on that. I told you from the first episode, I have adult onset, ADHD, look at the little pretty. And I have to be focused and give my all. Do those other stressors, those other, those other pieces to the profession exist? Absolutely. But we all know that teaching isn't an eight to three job. You know, most, mm -hmm. most teachers, good teachers, teachers who have passion for this, they'll tell you this is what consumes them. This is what they do June, July, and August when the taxpayers think that we're all on vacation drinking Mai Tais. This is what we do at 10 o'clock after our, our kids go to bed. This is who we are. So those other stressors, I'm not saying it's fair or it's okay for that to consume you know, after the kids go home, the five seconds I'm spending mm -hmm. running to the bathroom, the, the 20 minutes I got for lunch to just go, oh, I remember why I was so tired. But when you're, when you're in there, you have a very limited time to, to be and to do for those kids at that time. And you have to set that aside. And there was, there was times, I mean, everything wasn't fun and fiasco today. After lunch, this is this is something fun we did after lunch we got back a little early because i was tired of being in the cafeteria and they all looked done to me so let's go and we went through our bathroom break and we got back to the classroom and i looked at the lesson plans and i knew that what was left wasn't going to take the amount of time we had and i said okay guys i've got to figure out exactly what packet we need to do and where this book is that she's talking about which we never found by the way take three minutes and do whatever in the world you want as long as it's legal, it doesn't break any school rule, and it doesn't require you to leave this classroom. And 13 10-year-olds looked at me like, this woman has fallen off her rocker. But for three minutes, 180 seconds of the day, I said, do whatever you want. And one of them said, can I write on the board? Have you caught on that they're fascinated with writing on the board? I said, absolutely, write on the board. I'm just busy real quick. And I see them, and I, I can tell you exactly what they're doing. And I gave them 108 seconds of the day, and they thought that that was the best thing since sliced bread. Three minutes didn't make a big change in my life. Because an hour and a half later, remember, we just went to bathroom break before this, when they started with the, can I go to the bathroom? No, sit down, we've got to go. Oh, well, okay. And it was just kind of setting that relationship with them. And one of them said, but it's an emergency. And when you pee on my floor, we'll call the janitor for right now. I need you to do your work. And they really thought I had lost my mind. And that's okay. Because that's how I was in my classroom. That's, that's the comfort level I set with my kids. I always had my radio on. No, I wasn't streaming. I always had music on the computer. No, I didn't stream anything. And I just had that environment where it was okay. You know, we had the, the Papasan chairs. We had the reading notes. We had pillows everywhere. My principal, the very first principal who hired me said, you know, most, most teachers do things like, I don't know, put their desk in rows. That's the very first thing I did was I said, no more desk in rows, wherever you want your desk, put it there. And it doesn't work for everyone. And I'm okay with that. But it's, it's sometimes nice, like you were saying, to step out of your zone, your place, your comfort, and go visit someone else. Go see what someone else is doing. You don't have to copy it. You don't have to mimic it. 
but just take other ideas. Say, oh, I wonder what that'll be. This was my guinea pig experience for some of it. These aren't my kids. I don't have to answer their parents. Now, today we did have one child throw up. We had one child with lice and I got to send the lice notes home. And I had one child who wore a cast who I had to dictate for. That was fabulous. But other than that, it was okay. And, and that's just a part of it. Just go out and see what else, what's out there. I love that, Brian. Let's all go visit each other. Field trip. <laughs> you notice who's quiet tonight, right? I'm not a teacher. I don't have anything to say about it. This is fabulous. He keeps looking at all the little circles. I'm trying to think of what he's thinking about. I have a question for you, Mark, though. Not being a teacher. Dun, 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 dun. When you walk into a classroom, can you, A, can you tell whether or not the teacher has it together or does not have it together? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it may be not the, the very first time I walk in, but, you know, w it, within a, a short time of knowing the teacher and knowing the students, uh, absolutely. Um, it's, uh, and everybody does things differently, like you're saying. Some people, uh, you know, you were talking about the, the teacher that blows up at their class. I, I typed in our private chat there. I share a wall with one of those guys. And uh, a couple of times a day he explodes, but that's just the way he is. And, and, um, sure. and the kids respect it and they know that, they're, you know, they're, when he gets to that point, they really got to listen, you know, but I know other teachers who yell all the time and the kids don't mm -hmm. respect that. Yeah. So it just, it just a, a, a funny story that came to my mind. One day I was working in our uh, alternative education area, you know, where the kids who, who couldn't handle the regular class go and uh, they have these dividers in there so that, so that the kids kind of, you know, uh, can't cheat off of each other, can't communicate. It's prison. It's, it's student, it's school prison. Um, and so the, the, the teacher is in the room is working with a student and I'm over in the back of the room doing something geek oriented. And I turn around and I see a student standing on his desk, looking over the divider at the student next to him and talking. And I turned around to him and said, you're going to get down and out of that desk now off of the desk, or I'm going to take you off of that desk. And he said, you can't talk to me like that. You're not a teacher. I said, no, that's exactly why I can talk to you like that. Just so you know, I'm not a teacher. I'm not bound by their rules. I can beat you up, get fired, and go get a raise doing something else. Did he not look at you before he said that? <laughs> That's I mean, kind of. I know I'm your thinking. nickname is Tiny, but yeah, I mean, well, you know, you got to understand if if he's a guy in that ca uh, case uh, place, he's probably not the most astute of observers anyway. <laughs> But anyway, it's just a, yeah, when you're not a teacher and I have taught, I have spent time in the classroom, but, and, and I, I call myself not a teacher all the time, but the fact is I have the worst students in the world, teachers, uh, and they're the people Amen. that I deal with every day. So I am an educator. I'm just not a teacher is what I tell people. I, I don't spend time in the classroom, but I, I, you know, hopefully what, what I'm doing here on this show, uh, on, on my, you know, network six nights a week is educating people. So, um, I consider myself an educator. I'm just not a classroom teacher. You know, I was, I was going to go back to Christy, one of the points that you made early on in the show. And that was, you know, when you're thinking about how to do professional development and how to do this kind of stuff, audio wise and, and things like that, I think so often we have pigeonholed the term professional development into a, PowerPoint? Step 
Well, yeah, I mean, very linear like that. It's a step-by-step. First you do this, then you do this, then you do this, and it becomes, um, you know, an assembly line thing. You know, you put in all of these 10 steps, and at the end, ta-da, you have something. And when you think about professional development with those you know, blinders on or those guides on, I think it's very difficult to do um, professional development via audio because it's hard to guide, you know, people through that unless they're looking at the same steps and we're saying try this and try this. But what one thing that you can do via audio is discuss ways to implement. You can talk about um, how is it that you would apply this skill and to me, it's one thing to teach somebody a skill. It's a totally different thing and far more relevant thing to show them where that skill can be used. And hopefully it will. Just a, a quick story that reminded me of. Uh, I often do uh, trainings and, and uh, uh, you know, workshops for, for other places. You know, that's, that's one of the things that I'm sort of known for. And uh, a few years ago, I was doing a training on uh, uh, the GIMP, an open source uh, 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 photo editing software, if you're not familiar with it. And I had written the handouts in a narrative format. The idea was the handouts were for them to take home with them after my three-hour session was over, that they could read back. And it was, it was my lecture, essentially, my, my discourse that I was giving them. So it was not for them to follow along as I did it. And uh, when, when the feedback came uh, from the, the teachers who'd been in that, one of the uh, feedbacks that I got from two different people was the handouts should have been in a point-by-point so that we could have followed them. Uh, it would have been better. The narrative format didn't work. It was hard to follow. And my whole line of thinking was, you're not supposed to follow the handouts while you're there with me. You're supposed to follow me while you're there with me. And you take the handouts later for later learning. But we have so um, ingrained that model of step by step by step. That's not learning. That's parroting. That's following instructions. I don't want you to follow my instructions. I want you to learn from my knowledge. And and it was interesting that these were classroom you know, professionals with years of experience, and they couldn't see past their indoctrination well it's highly likely that that's how they they teach quote unquote in their classroom though is they say student receives you open your brain i fill it up you go home i've done my job and and that's mm-hmm. what it is and the second part is you give them the handout at the end mark always give teachers handouts at the end they will play with them they will color on them they will make paper airplanes out of them you always give the handouts at the end See, I'm, I'm really into when it comes to the professional development stuff. My, my, I don't know, stick right now is how do we get people to desire to be lifelong learners? And I think a lot of times our teachers, you know, they go to training because they have to go to training. And is this training going to be good enough that it's going to, you know, I'm going to feel justified in wasting my time listening to it and all that kind of stuff. Whereas maybe if we spent a few minutes discussing a particular 
I don't know, skill or task or whatever it may be, and then spent the majority of the time talking about how to apply that skill task or whatever, then perhaps they would actually start desiring to learn it on their own. And even if you didn't give them handouts, they would seek out handouts via Google or whatever method. And that's one of the harder harder parts, and we're, we're kind of diverging into PD. But I'm kind of against the whole idea of a printout or paper, tangible, holdable um, handouts when I do presentations, especially if I'm doing something on technology that's web-based. I'm not printing that out for you. And I will say, here's the presentation. Here are the notes. Um, I've opened up Google Docs for them to, to collaboratively take notes and make it all digital. And still, every single time, people come to me and say, do you have a handout you can give me? Okay, were you paying attention for the last hour? Because I'm thinking not. But it's, it's just, it's how we are. It's how we've been. And that's not an excuse, and I'm not saying it should continue. But from kindergarten forward, I mean, kindergarten, the rules you learn are, you come in, you sit down, you listen to what I have to say, and you don't make noise until I call on you. And we, we push that all the way through, and it, it continues on into higher ed. Higher, higher ed's not off the hook here at all, to where that's what we've become. I mean, we're hearing from the, the industry, pick one, okay? Pick, pick a company that they want people who will go out and seek stuff on their own, that they want those lifelong learners, and that's not what they're getting. They're getting, just tell me what to do. Just, just tell me what I have to do. So... Unfortunately, that's where we are. I know that there's great hope in the ability to move forward, and I know we have fabulous people in education that will move us forward. So my last point, and I, I probably would have left it off had Brian not brought it up earlier, but if, if you've been living under a rock, there's this, this song, and it's everywhere. It's in commercials, it's on TV, it's on the radio. Find anyone over the age of eight, and they've probably heard it, and it's called Moves Like Jagger. And my two-year-old has heard it, compliments of her 10-year-old sister. And I don't exactly agree that my two-year-old should be singing these lyrics. And I'm very concerned that I'm possibly missing what Moves Like Jagger are because I don't know. And I'm thinking that I'm going to find out it's code for something, you know, that streetwalkers or something do. I don't know. I'm just terrified about it. So today I, I had my, my laptop with me and I quickly condensed some of my playlists down to what songs that I knew would be appropriate for this group for while they were doing different things. We had music on. And I think that's a very powerful part of a classroom, by the way, is music. Silence really bothers me. And one of the songs that I have in my iTunes library is Moves Like Jagger. Well, I also happen to have some Adele and Firework and some stuff the kids would know. And one of the kids asked me, Miss, Miss Vincent, do, do you have Moves Like Jagger? Yes, but I will not be playing it in this classroom because there's a couple of lines that I no, think he are meant he suspect. wanted to see moves like that. <laughs> <laughs> and we can do that too. I used to to warm up um, my class in the morning when I taught middle school. We would actually the couple of dances at the song the line dances were goodness there was it's a song it's a group from Louisiana. And it's a line, I can't think of it anyway. We did these line dance type songs, the, to songs the kids knew that were like pop songs. And that's what we did and it got us moving until they got our brains going. But anyway, here nor there. So 
that was my my last piece is through if you're if there's something about your classroom you don't like bring something in to change it if there's a lot of silence the kids don't like it you're not comfortable with it there's no law saying that you can't have some type of music in the classroom there's no law saying you have to have all the blight fluorescent lights on if you have a child that needs that that their iep says that's what they have hey you know i'm good with that but but don't be afraid to change up your classroom and that's all that's my three random here nor there everywhere points about professional development. And in closing, when we get towards the closing, Brian in our private chat has said something about I'm too sexy. Well, I think Brian must be older than me because the current song that totally cracks me up is I'm sexy and I know it. And what cracks me up is the Eminem's commercial. I do not know if you've seen it, it's hysterical. And the chocolate Eminem is there and there's this whole um, almost off color remark about whether the Eminem has her shell on and the red Eminem walks up and says, Oh, it's that kind of party. And they start playing the music. I'm sexy. And I know it. That's my favorite commercial in the world right now. I had to get that in there. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> what, what exactly do you expect me to do with that? I, I don't even know how to follow that. So, uh, <laughs> Should I just go ahead and do the contact information? Is that what you want me to I do? Just, <laughs> no, I figured you'd have something for that. And if not, I wanted to put you on the spot. Anyways, <laughs> I do believe that it was uh, that it was John a few months ago who actually posted out via one of the many social networks. Um, he posted, you know, how do you get your child who's singing, I'm sexy and I know it, to actually stop? <laughs> So, uh, well, for contact us information, I'll go ahead and do that. Um, of course, there is the website at elementop.com slash tightwadteacher. Um, you, of course, can find us on Twitter at elementop, at Bruger, or at Christy underscore Vincent. And if you'd like to catch on Mark, you can, of course, meet, reach him at at Mark Cockrell. You also can find us on facebook.com slash elementop. Or via phone 559-IAM-OP. And along with that contact us information, we'd really like to hear um, regarding this topic of professional development and show topics and everything. We would love to um, uh, we would love to see you know what's going on and, and hear from you you know and, and get some of those topics so that we know um, that we're discussing things that you find relevant and, and helpful you know, for your classroom. So please, um, you know, contact us, you know, either through one of those methods, uh, Facebook, Twitter, through the website, um, through the forums, and um, we'd love to hear from you. So uh, next week we have Peggy George, the tech geek grandma. Um, I can tell you this, my grandma would be nothing like that. So I'm kind of intrigued and you know, for my, my closing, I have to say, I'm sexy and I know it. Good night, all. <laughs> and uh, Christy had to go. She had some uh, something emergency uh, pop up there at her house. So I will say on behalf of Christy Vincent, good night, everybody. And check with us.